Celtics um you know are the Celtics are the Celtics a real contender because all season I know that we haven't been talking to people on this podcast but we've got a group chat going with uh, with Zach who's going to be on the podcast later tonight uh, Zach Ayapa I hope you guys are ready for him but um you know we've been talking all year about who's competing and we've been really excited about the east I don't know if it's because we live in that zone or if it's because you know, we're all ex-Bulls like fanboys, and it's just like it's so great to see the Bulls doing good in the East. But we've talked a lot about the East. And like in our previous conversations, we were like, okay, the Bulls are a real contender, and that was really the question. And then the Heat were kind of – people were sleeping on them, and they moved their way up throughout the year. And we all knew that the Bucks, you know, and, and Nets were the two main contenders in our minds, and the Sixers obviously um, being in there as well. But like now we've come to this point in the season where there's really not a ton of games left. And the Celtics look like a real contending team. Yeah. And like really, right before the trade deadline, I thought they were going to blow that team up. Like there was a lot of talk of like it's time to break up Tatum yeah. and Brown, sort of a CJ and Dame feeling almost. Like it's time right. to break up these two these two guys. And it seemed like Tatum and Brown don't really want to break up. They're like, well, you know, we yeah. like playing together. And instead, they got Derek White mm-hmm. and they like switched it up and. Honestly, I thought going into the season that the Celtics were going to just completely fall apart because they seemed like they were. It seemed like with Brad Stevens out the helm, maybe things weren't the same. But now I've seen their 14 – they've won 14 of their last 17 games. Their defense looks amazing. Um, yeah, their, their metrics point all the – I think defense, like top three, or top five defensive rating, something like that at this point now. With like no center. Yeah. With just a bunch of like tall guards. Yep. So they sort of they sort of maxed that that situation out. I, I I heard it said I don't know what the metrics are behind this, but I heard them say that they were the best switching team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That they just switched so quickly in action and defense, and there's no there's no exploitation where it's like we're going to exploit this player because he can't play defense. There's yeah. none of that situation because every player can kind of play defense well yeah. enough that there's no clear weakness. You're not looking for a certain mismatch. Yeah. Um. You know, it's not it's not the. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is being guarded by somebody, so let's just pass it to Carl Anthony Towns situation. Yeah. It's like everyone's pretty good. They're all Marcus Smart now, sort of. <laughs> I mean, so what what are you taking? What are you taking from the Celtics? What do you think is the? Is, yeah, are they are they able to beat? Do you think they can beat the Bucks, the Sixers, you know, the the Nets if all the pieces are there? Where do you think the Celtics actually stand? Because I mean, they destroyed the Nets this month, but the Nets yeah. have been destroyed by everybody this yeah, month. Yeah, I, th- I think the the Celtics are an interesting uh, case study. You know, I was I was ready to ride them off uh, pretty early into the season. It, it didn't look like you know they were really going anywhere. I thought, like you mentioned, the the Tatum Brown uh, breakup was gonna be forced, if not at the deadline, then in the off season. But it looks like they bought themselves some time. And credit to those guys because they obviously want to play together and make everything work, uh, similar to the Damon CJ situation. But um, I think that they've really found a rhythm since coming back, um, you know, really after Christmas break there, you know, they, they really kind of hit a stride. So maybe you can chalk up the early season, you know, kind of wavering to a new coach, new system, you know, kind of working through through those pieces and, and kind of figuring out everything together. But like you mentioned, 14 in the last 17, you know, that's not nothing, especially when we see the Bucks on a slide right now. 
Um, and, and so other teams are, uh, you know, kind of wavering at this point where Boston's improving their defense. So like I said, top five efficiency somewhere around there for their defensive rating. Offensive points are still there. When when Jason Tatum's locked in, he's one of the best guys in the league. You know, certainly one of the best scorers in, in terms of how he can get his shot and, and uh, you know, what he wants to do with the ball in that situation. Now, in terms of if the Celtics are a contender, that's where I get hung up because I think that they're a matchup. Uh, oriented team, you know, when it comes down to a seven-game series. Do I think that the Celtics could uh, could give it to any team in the East for seven seven games? Yes. I, like, I think that they, they can. And I think that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown getting that experience a couple of years ago, kind of on that playoff run with, with Kyrie Irving, um, was good experience in, in letting them know, you know, how to compete, how to prepare for a seven-game series in the playoff um, in, in April. But do I think that they're better than the Heat? No. Do I think that they're better than what the the 76ers have looked like with uh, James Harden and, and Joel Embiid so far? No. Um, you know, TBD on, on the Nets, but I don't think that anybody's beating uh, Kevin Durant. You know, if it's Kevin Durant versus Jason Tatum for a seven-game series, you know, I'll put my money on Kevin Durant, obviously. Do I think that the Celtics could give a run to Milwaukee? Just based off their their play style and their system and, and their um, you know familiarity with them, I think that's that's in play and I think obviously in play with Chicago and then you know obviously that's barring injuries and, and all of that. But assuming everybody's healthy, Jalen Brown comes back from this ankle sprain healthy, um, and we're talking a seven game series. I think you know that that could go either way with uh, with Chicago and I think it just depends on the the hot hand. Same with with Milwaukee and how they. Uh, switch on on Giannis and, and deal with that so I think they can be did a matchup you, did you problem. say hot ham sandwich I mean I wish I said hot ham sandwich if there's a hot ham sandwich in Milwaukee I'm there <laughs> for real <laughs> um I, I I think that I think that the uh problem with Milwaukee is obviously who guards Giannis and yeah you know the Celtics the Celtics center is Al Horford um and I think Horford is you know he's a good he's a good center he does he knows how to play the game mm-hmm. that's what makes him still effective but he has this thing now that I that centers get like big guys get, and I call it the uh, I kind of call it like the flip flops effect. <laughs> like you kind of look like you're playing in flip flops the way you move your feet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, or it, you know it could be it, it could be Crocs or, or if we wanted to go <laughs> something nicer, effect, yeah. what's uh some Birkenstocks? Oh, it's kind of yeah. like I think Al Horford looks like he's playing ball in Birkenstocks okay. now because he doesn't move his feet the way he did a few years ago. Yeah. And like like the last couple years of Dirk looked like he was playing in Burks. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you kind of back him up, and he would like yeah. he'd be like, "Oh no, are they gonna do I have to guard the three point line?" He's like, "I don't think I will," you know. Uh, so you kind of worry about that situation with Horford is he doesn't look as nimble as he used to. Yeah. Uh, but you know, obviously he is very serviceable, and and he's gonna he's gonna do his job. And yeah. He can shoot the three, so you know keeps the the lane from being as clogged as it is if you're um, the Lakers. So <laughs> you know, uh, I, I feel like. I feel like the Celtics, the Celtics that I feel like we've seen this month, I feel like they have more than a puncher's chance at it. Like yeah, I don't feel like sure. it's like just if all these things fall into place. Like I think that I think that Derek White and Tatum and Brown as a team is like a heck of a trio of guards. Like yeah, I think that two of those sure. three guys is always on the floor. You know that's that's pretty rough if you're the other team. And like okay. I think that they don't really have a lot of a bench, but you know what they're putting on the floor is effective. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, jury is out on some of these other teams. If the Bulls, you know, get all their pieces back, I think they're going to be really tough. Yeah. Uh, but have, you know, they have the disadvantage of not playing with those pieces together for very long. Yeah. 
not being as cohesive of a team. Um, but DeMar has been so good that it's hard to imagine that, yeah. you know, that they couldn't still Everybody kind of knows their, knows their roles on the Bulls, which, uh, which was the concern coming in. You know, Zach Levine and DeMar, who splits the ball. What does Vooch do? You know, he's a former All-Star in, in Orlando. How does Lonzo Ball feel with his uh, in, increased three-point percentage? Does he want a bigger piece of the pie? Caruso is a plug-and-play. Patrick Williams is a potentially rising star. You know, Man, he does, might be back. How does he come he's, in? He's close to exactly. His but, but all those guys, you know, they they really bought in and uh, and, and found their roles. Um, you know, they've played really well off each other, and, and at least in the sample that we've seen everybody play together and, and uh, even in the games without Patrick Williams when everybody else was healthy. The Bulls and Celtics is a series I want to watch. Oh, for sure. Like, you, that's going to be that's going to be a seven-game series that I want to see sure. every bit of if those two teams play each other. For sure. Or or any any combination of like Bulls, Cavs, Celtics, Hawks. Yeah. Like, those are the matchups I'm really looking forward to because I'm actually tired of watching Kevin Durant and like do <laughs> what he does. Like it's beautiful, but like yeah. I'm just like okay, Durant's going to play 45 minutes. He's going to shoot as much as possible. Yeah. Um, Kyrie's going to look like he's doing some stuff, and everyone hey, else is going to chill. Kyrie's been looking good. He's, he's looking, been looking he's okay. Been looking real good. And, and Ben Simmons is obviously the X factor. He's not looking like he brings any wins. Like Kyrie Irving does look like he's bringing <laughs> wins. He looks just like he did at Cleveland before LeBron hey, got there. He's bringing a win in terms of uh, loosening the vaccine restrictions in New York City. So. I think that was just the the luck of the draw. There. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, you could you could convince me to into any of the top six teams in the East being in the finals. I, I could see, you know, everybody through to the Celtics. And and I would honestly put the Celtics as my sixth seed going into the playoffs, um, just because I think that the East is so top-heavy this year, which is uh, honestly the best thing that the NBA could have had over the last couple of years is bringing that parity back to the East. Obviously, some of that is with stars coming back over from the West, um, like Kevin Durant, you know, James Harden. But... I think there's been a lot of good development in the East. We see that with the Cavs specifically. Um, Milwaukee, obviously, that's that's mostly a homegrown team and, and kind of pieced together. Um, it, it's just been a, a fun thing to watch in the East. And honestly, the, the East is open in the top six seeds. Yeah. I think uh, I think the other things about the East that I'm, I'm excited about is, you know, I don't – in the East, I, as a fan, I'm rooting for two teams. You know, I want Miami or Chicago to win. Mm-hmm. Like, I want them to win the East – I'm fine with them winning the championship. I would be excited and happy yeah. if one of those two teams won. Um, there's some clear villains in the East, which is fun. <laughs> like, I think Brooklyn is a clear villain team. Like anything like, in Philadelphia. Yeah, and Philadelphia has always been villainous. Yeah. Like, they've never... Like, as as the city of brotherly love goes, you know what they they've say? never been the good guy. Like, you never go, oh, Philadelphia, man, those are the good guys. They're always sort of a bad guy team, like the Pistons and the Sixers, yeah. you know. Yeah, we got we got a motto in this household. It's called uh, "Hate the Process." They they were really good players. Uh, it's I, it's a it's long, not a very motto. catchy motto. Yeah, it's 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 long for the uh, for the flag. We usually just say "Hate the Process," you know. Just hate, okay. Fultz, it's, but, it's like it's just a flag. Yeah, a picture of Markel Fultz says yeah. "Hate the Process." Yeah, exactly. I, I think that the true process to hate is is maybe the one that the Sacramento Kings have put together. Oh, come on now. Move, <laughs> I mean, move that team. As as bad as Philadelphia is at uh at trusting the process, <laughs> man, they haven't done as, as poorly as Sacramento. At least they at least they kept Joel Embiid. At least they had a plan. Yeah, they kept they kept Embiid. That was at least something. <laughs> that was like an important piece of the process. Hopefully, they'll keep Maxi for at least two years. Hey, they almost, they <laughs> almost, they almost let him go. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see James Harden in his in, uh, in his second NBA Finals. You know, the the 
little sample that I've had. I'll boo that. Like oh, I yeah. boo that. That's For not sure. gonna work out. Which which sucks because I I kind of am a Embiid fan. Like I like watching Embiid play. I love play. watching Embiid. I, I watch, yeah. I watch um, him dominate. You know he he's really smooth. I think the things that Carl Anthony Town does as a uh, shooting big man are obviously um, impressive and uh, not to diminish anything that Cat does, but. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll take Joel Embiid being slightly worse at, at shooting to actually, um, you know, back somebody down in the post and use his body and, and dominate. You know, it, it's like it's like a if you blended Shaq and, and Cat together, that's what you get in, in Embiid. And it's you just do. fun to watch. You do. I mean, and the footwork. I love I love watching Embiid, too. But like, you know, I mean, the best big man is Jokic, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, like, those guys so, are both. In the, in so the, that in leads the me to it. To a, but to a kind of a segue here, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot and I was kind of saving this for the recording. Um, where do you, where do you put uh, Bam out of bio out of the three and be Jokic and, and Bam? I think that Bam, as much as he like is a center, he's also sort of a mix between center and power forward. Similar like, to the Anthony Davis. Yeah. I think that Bam is more of an Anthony Davis type big yeah. man. And like, um, you know, I think that that makes him not, not feel the same to me. Yeah. Like defensively, I, I think he's really good. But I think that, you know, you could see him being more of a Carl Malone back in the day yeah, than you would think of him being a, a Hakeem Olajuwon, you know? Yeah. The, the um, thing, uh, you know, I don't know how many uh, key games you've watched over the last couple of weeks. I've, you know, I've caught a couple and followed the stat line. It, Bam has been quietly the last couple of weeks, you know, killing it. Just his passing is facilitating. It's it's Jokic-esque um, in the way that the Miami Heat have been running the ball. And, and honestly, I think the best thing that the Heat could do in the playoffs is run the ball through Bam more. I, I don't think they, oh, absolutely. they run it through him enough, and I think he's such a good passer out of the post. And, uh, you know, I, I would put him as my third best center in the league at this point, you know, obviously counting uh, Anthony Davis as a power forward to not have the argument there. But Miami, Miami is a tough team when everyone's healthy. When you have Bam on the floor and, and, you're, uh, and you are getting passes at your big man, he's almost running like a Draymond. Like, you know, where he's he's playing the top of the key, but he's really dangerous from there. Or even Marcus Saul used to be like that. Like yeah. Marcus Saul catches the ball at the top of the key. Well, now you can't just guard him. You have to guard the pass. Yeah. But it's really dangerous in Miami because of Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and and just they got shooters out there. Kyle Lowry. They got guys who are ready to shoot Jimmy threes. Will, Jimmy will drive. And Jimmy will shoot. Yeah, yeah, the floor is spaced and and there's just too many, like, dangerous options. And, like, I think the Heat, for one, I think the Heat were built to be Milwaukee, like just straight up, yeah. the Heat were built to beat Milwaukee. They they have the and Milwaukee is the bar. Like team. until somebody else wins the East, Milwaukee is still the champions. Yeah. You know, you still Giannis is still putting up Giannis numbers. And they've been the most consistent and over the last five years. They've been really consistent, and they have guys who, when push comes to shove, are really good. Like we know that Drew Holiday is going to play great basketball. He's a Jimmy Butler ish sort of player. You know yeah. what what. What the Bucks bring, you know what it is, and and I think Miami was beat to was built to beat them, and we saw that in the COVID year when Miami kind of easily dispatched yeah. them, and we're the only team with a winning record against the Bucks that season in the East, so it wasn't a fluke. They had been beating them, right? They sort of knew the the code. Yep. I think the band makes it hard at the rim for Giannis. I think that Jimmy's you know out there smothering somebody, and that the Miami Heat defense is just really good. And then you know with the Bucks. Their defense is always it's it's been anchored really more on Brooke Lopez as a center who's been out, yeah. and like that sort of defense works against all the other teams because all the other teams play a traditional big for the most part except for Brooklyn, yeah. and uh, it doesn't work so well when you have a, a team of shooters when you're facing a Brooklyn or a Golden State 
or um, you know Miami, and you just have tons of shooters on the floor. Now that Brook Lopez thing doesn't work because Bam can play mid range and he can kind of he can kind of muscle around, and you're just sort of in trouble because Brook's not as effective in that situation. I don't think. Yeah. So I, I think that the Heat, I think that he really are you know uh, a dominant team. I think that people are still sleeping on them. I think that all the stars of Brooklyn and Philadelphia and Milwaukee sort of have gotten people's minds bent on them as being the the best teams where the Bulls, the Heat, the Celtics are suddenly like teams that are kind of loaded with stars that everyone's like, yeah, but you know, they have these issues. They got it. And yeah, you know, it's like everyone's who, everyone who like argues that way, who's like, well, these teams aren't good because these stars aren't quite as good. It's like, okay. Like right now the Nets are going out there with, without Kevin Durant and without Ben Simmons, right? Who Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons According to everyone in the world, he sucks. So who even cares, right? Even though I don't think he does. <laughs> Which is but, such a you know the narrative. Yeah, so, the narrative so around wild. Ben Simmons is like he he brings nothing to the floor anyway, yeah, right? But Tom, the, yeah, the Nets are still going out there with with Lamarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills, Kyrie Irving, yeah. uh, Bruce Brown, who's actually <laughs> a baller. Um, the LA they, Blake. Yeah, I mean they've got they have a loaded team still. Yeah, and they're literally getting smashed every game because that team in real life isn't actually good. And the only thing that makes Brooklyn good, we all know the only thing that makes Brooklyn good is Kevin Durant. If Butler's down, the Heat are still a good team. Yeah. You know, if if Giannis is down, Milwaukee's still a good team. Like they still play fundamental defense and yeah. they still have people who can score the ball. Brooklyn has people that can score the ball, but they lose defense. And and obviously I'm, I think with the trade for Ben Simmons, that's all they need out of Ben Simmons. They need Ben Simmons to play mm-hmm. that second, third best in the league defense, that Kawhi Leonard style, hassle the guy with the ball, be everywhere, play the big man if you need to yeah. sort of defense so that Kevin Durant doesn't have to play both sides of the ball all game because yeah. at some point he actually has Which to play offense. Which is what happened in Milwaukee last year. And that's what happened in Milwaukee last year, and they lost. They needed Ben Simmons because yeah. Ben Simmons can guard Giannis, and he can guard him the whole game. Yeah. And so – you know, Brooklyn is banking on that. They're they're banking on Simmons making them a defensive team that's good, yeah. right? And Durant's good at defense, and pretty much nobody else on that team is good at defense. And that's great, but I still think that they're going to struggle whenever they face teams like Boston, who's switching everywhere. They're going to make it. They're going to exploit Ben Simmons. They're going to foul him obviously a lot. Yeah. They're going to make it hard. Um, you know, they're going to be they're going to be having a tough time against their teams. I think they're going to have a tough time against the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, you know that's uh, that game's March tenth. Is they say it's in its return game, he's going to play the Sixers. It's not happening. And like, I don't think it'll happen. I think that the problem with Ben Simmons is he's like Anthony Davis. He's soft, but instead of being soft physically, it's his emotions are glass. You know, so like I can't see him like actually playing that game because I think he'd be scared. No, and like he's going to need the playoffs. Yeah, he's going to need some momentum behind him before he walks in and plays Philly. So. I think that uh, I think there's a lot of hype, but I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, yeah. One thing that that makes me worried about the Nets and the playoffs is uh, you you see teams like Miami and Milwaukee are great at filling out teams and and uh, able to play seven games and, and make the adjustments and do what they need to do. And, and not saying that the Nets won't do that. Um, you know, come playoffs, and, you know, obviously we're watching Steve no- Steve Nash, you know, try to coach in the playoffs. Um, but I think that the difficulty is the Nets. The Nets just are who they are. They go out, they'll play the same game, and if it works, it works. And, and that's what I feel like I've seen all season. Um, that's what we saw last year in the playoffs. They just go out, they ball, they do what they need to do. If they're hot, they win. If they're not, you know, they, they'll they fight and they grind. But they aren't 
either they don't feel like they need to or they just don't make the same types of game-to-game adjustments that I feel like we see from Milwaukee and, and Miami in terms of feeling out the other team and playing to the other team's style. The the Nets just kind of go out and do their thing and they ball. Well, I think I think the thing with the Nets, like, who do they look like? You know, they're a tough team to beat. They're really tough to beat. They might beat your team. They yeah. might knock you out. They might they might get hot and be unstoppable, right? But they look a lot like this other team Kevin Durant played on called the Oklahoma City Thunder <laughs> that for years straight were a dominant playoff team, a really tough team to beat. Yeah. Made it to the finals. Um, took Golden State 73-9 to a seven-game series in the Western Conference Finals. That they should have right? won. That they should have won, right? Yeah. Up 3-1. They should have won, right? Yeah. So, like, like, but you know what? You know what Oklahoma City never really did? They never really made any adjustments. They were like, well... We believe we have the best yeah. player on the floor, so therefore we're going to win. When you go over to a team like Golden State and you have you have Steph Curry, and Steph Curry is the best player on the floor, right? If he wasn't on the floor, Golden State doesn't work the same way. When he's yeah. on the floor, even he's, if he's, he's core yeah, to even if he's not shooting as good, they say yeah. this year, it's like no, he's putting up impossible shots and not making all of them, but he's making you guard him. He's yeah. making it work differently, it's three right? On one every time, every time, right? So so Steph Curry's out there; he's the best player in on the team, you know, yeah. or you take a LeBron James team. He's the best player on the team. You know what LeBron's going to do, right? Mm-hmm. But does a, does, does a Warriors team, do they make adjustments? Well, yeah. How many different starting lineups Kerr's bringing out? Yeah. Uh, how often he was using the Ugadala lineup and, and switching it up and switching up who was on who on defense and trying to give Curry plays off, right? Like he literally is making adjustments based on the team they're playing to try to exploit it, try yeah. to beat that team. And LeBron's teams, I mean, they'll make massive adjustments. They'll yeah. literally be like, hey, LeBron can play center now and, and run these guys out and yeah, let's change everything to try to, try to stop this. Especially in Cleveland. Yeah. It's like, hey, let's make adjustments because what we just did didn't work. And so now next game we got to try something different, right? Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn, they're right back where OKC was. They just don't make any adjustments. They're only banking on the fact that the talent and their style of offense is just unbeatable in itself. Yeah. And that would be true if it was true. Yeah, you know, if yeah. they had never lost, you know. Yeah, that's that's so, a, that's a tough thing too, and it's it's a you know not to discredit Kevin Durant at all. Like I I honestly personally would put Kevin Durant in my top ten all time. Oh yeah, and and as um, far as like single player that matters on a floor, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, just think about the Olympics. Like it, yeah. the Team USA goes home with no medals, or they go home with gold. Yeah, that's exactly. the difference to Kevin yeah. Durant. And, and Kevin Durant is the greatest scorer of all time in terms of just doing anything getting whatever he wants you know doing it and and because of that people underrate how good he is defensively and uh and we've seen you know kevin durant obviously does you know the the kobe thing where he plays on offense kind of rests a little bit hide hides the rest on defense because that's what you have to do when you're the leading you scorer and, and you're that you got to conserve it for 48 minutes um so he's underrated defensively even though he's honestly one of the best defensive players in the league yeah. too um, but you're right in, in OKC, and, and that's another thing that a lot of younger people don't appreciate is Kevin Durant in OKC and, and the things that Playing he's doing. Playing the exact in the same and, position, doing the exact same thing. Exactly, things. exactly. And, and that's a great parallel to uh, to what they were doing there. And, and especially we, we and with a like, talented team, with Abaka yeah. and Westbrook and yeah. guys who could ball and who were in like prime of their lives. The James Harden a little bit and, and kind of yeah. in that rotation. And yeah. even some defensive stoppers and Roberson and Kendrick Perkins, guys who knew how to play the game. Who were stars at the time? I mean, Kendrick could come from a, a championship Celtics yeah. team, you know. I wonder. It's if not happened. that difference of a, of a of a scenario. Yeah. Between Brooklyn and Oklahoma City. And I wonder if that's just a, a product of having somebody as like great and 
different as Kevin Durant is. It's just like you obviously build your whole team around him. You obviously run the offense and and, uh, and the whole plays through Kevin Durant. But uh, I wonder if maybe that's just either a crutch or, or a crippling effect in terms of um, creativity and, and what you do in, in the lineup adjustments and the game plan adjustments because you have somebody that's as great as he is who can win a seven game series just about by himself as we saw last year. I think I think it's knowing this equation, right? Like like you're a dominant team because you're a dominant player. Yeah. Like like Milwaukee understood the equation with with Antetokounmpo. They knew, hey, we need a lot of shooters around him. He's a get to the rim guy. Yeah. If he can get to the rim and he can pass out, he can do kind of what Westbrook does and do kind of what Shaq did. You know, yeah. like they knew that, so they built the team around him that fit. They got a defensive stopper and Drew Holiday, and they built this team where he could kind of fluidly do what he does. You know what he's gonna do. Yeah. But you can't stop it because of all these other guys. Yeah. LeBron, there's an equation. We know what kind of people they put around LeBron. We know that they haven't put those people around him this year. You know, <laughs> There has to be certain people around him that he can pass to, that he can yeah. space the floor because he's going to get to the rim at the floor. Space, he's at the rim. You know, And then you go to like Durant is more like a Michael Jordan. Like He's actually more of an MJ. Like yeah. You can run the offense through this guy, and he's going to give them to him every night he's going to score. Yep. He's a great defender. MJ is a great defender. Durant's actually a great defender. Um, but what they put around Michael Jordan, they put an elite rebounder, like the most elite rebounder yeah, of all like time. Ever. Ever. They got a guy who could get offensive rebounds as needed so that yep. Durant or Jordan could shoot more shots. And then they went and got a guy who could play defense, like the best wing defender of all time, you yep. know? And then they got a couple guys you never heard of who could shoot a three <laughs> and couldn't get to the rim for the, yeah. to save their lives, for right? For real, for real. It, honestly, if they didn't win championships in Chicago, you wouldn't ever hear right. of some of these guys. But the problem was is that that I think Brooklyn is trying to do that because Drummond is a yeah. he's a great he's a great rebounder, <laughs> which is the right? the key he's addition. A, in that he's like a Horace Grant. Drummond's yeah. like a Horace Grant, yeah. right? So you get that you got KD as Michael Jordan. You you have Kyrie, who's now this wild card thing. He's kind of like Rodman's personality, but in like somebody else's abilities, right? That's and you kind of hope that Kyrie and Simmons sort of create a Pippen together, right? Yeah. Because Simmons can't shoot, so you're stuck. And now when you're running Simmons and Drummond at the same time, you're actually in trouble, though. And that's the problem because you true. can't run them on the floor at the same time because now you have a, a, a you know a, basically a clog. So they're going to run into trouble there. Simmons is a great defender. If he was Scott, if he was Kawhi, yeah, that team would be unbeatable. If it was Kevin Durant, and Kawhi Leonard, you can put anybody else on the floor with those guys, and yeah. they would win. You yeah. know, so it's like they need to go with the Jordan equation, but you you know it's hard to find a Pippen and a Rodman. Yeah, yeah, those and, are you know just diamonds in the rough. And, yeah, and you know there's obviously yeah. only been one Dennis Rodman, one Scottie Pippen. So. Yeah. You know, that's that's kind of the, the equation there. Yeah, and I think uh, that's what makes comparison. that whole Brooklyn yeah. thing not work, and it's what makes the Kevin Durant situation not work, even though he's so good. Yeah. But I do think that it will help a lot to, like, uh, one of the things I feel for Kevin, and, and I've I've, been, I've hated on Kevin. I think leaving Oklahoma City always has bothered me, you know, but I think I feel for Kevin because he's going into this Eastern Conference, like, where he's going to have to play all night. And in like last year, you know, he was like, "Okay, I'm guarding Giannis." You know, yeah. I'm guarding, I'm guarding the best player on the other team, a After big guy. I'm playing in the paint, you know, yeah. where you're getting hit hard and yeah. everything's harder. And then I got to go down there and I got to be like Steph Curry. I got to be able to like be real yeah. agile and all these things and and be Kevin Durant. And you know, your legs are gone playing in the paint. Your body's hurting. You know, it's just there's no way that. You, if he wins the first seven game series and then he wins the next seven game series, it's like, well, who, what is this guy made of when he gets to the finals? You know, is yeah. he 
Is he limping out? Is they wheeling him out of a wheelchair? Thirty-two now, something like that. You know, yeah, like I, think, I feel like he's older. Than he's that. been in been in the league for fifteen years now, yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah so it's it's kind of, Seattle. I do feel like they had to get Drummond. They had to get yeah. Simmons. They had to get somebody that could guard. And honestly, they finessed that trade. They did, and and I, I, both teams won that trade. The Sixers getting the yeah, Harden they, they that actually what wanted they wanted. to play. They got what they wanted, and and Harden is actually a good player to play alongside and be. They mm-hmm. have really good tools that work together. Though he's still trash, and he belongs in Philadelphia, <laughs> and let Philadelphia get swept under the rug because they won't win. Um, but that's that's fine. Philadelphia out of all these, out of all six teams, they're the team I'm like zero percent chance. I say it here, zero percent chance they win Ooh. because. Everything oh. about them is cursed. They have James Harden, Doc Rivers, and Daryl <laughs> oh, Morey. It's like, hey, even no, if they wanted to, it won't happen. And they'll plus, be fine as long as they don't get in a 3-1 uh, lead. Have you, seen Harden, have you seen Harden in, in the conference final series? <laughs> He's like, pretty much you don't hey, see him in the conference Harden, final series. Harden's coming off of like a year and a half of rest, though, basically. So Yeah, that, that, know, whole, team, we'll that whole team is dependent we'll on see. him be dominating forever. And playoffs is different, you know, and beat is good. Playoffs is different. It's not the same as going out there and dominating yeah. the Hawks, you know, tomorrow night. It's it's just not the same. Yeah. Uh so it's it's a tough it's a tough call. And Harden, I mean, he's the the rules aren't to his advantage <laughs> like they used to be. We don't just give the guy free fouls for stopping in the middle hey, of the lane, you know. So I don't know. They they uh they went to the foul line quite a bit the other night. I think uh Embiid's averaging like point three five free throws or something like that per minute, like highest ever in a season. Combine that with James Harden. I just, believe Embiid's getting fouled though, because he's playing yes, in the paint. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't believe Harden's getting fouled. Hey, Harden was at the at the line a bit the other night. You know, that's that's uh I don't know, maybe it's something that I don't want to watch. It's just Embiid and James Harden uh, doing a free throw clinic all night. Does Harden realize he's not the best player on the team you know has anybody told him yet that's that's a you good know, yeah you you think they're uh they think that they're you know one and one top best players on the team i think he thinks so right now <laughs> i think he thinks so right now yeah i mean joel Embiid is the is the guy that we've wanted james harden to be paired with for you know five years now though you know that's it's kind of what they wanted out of dwight howard out of dwight howard um, top 75 kind of for what, sure <laughs> kind of what they wanted out of clint capella we saw like bursts of that but like joel Embiid's just better um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's is. just exactly like the type of guy to play with James Harden. And honestly, that that might be the best duo combination. Yeah, it's a Clyde Drexler, uh, Kim Olajuwon scenario. Yeah, they're, they're running that that yeah. old school scenario. I just I just don't see it. I'm still giving him a zero percent chance. I <laughs> I think that Milwaukee and and Brooklyn want to destroy that team so bad that I'm not sure that Philadelphia has the punch to to stop them. So, they also don't have a lot of depth. You know, like yeah. they also gave up Seth That's, Curry in yeah. that deal. Like. Like they they really lost a lot. Ch- champions you know? have depth. That's that's the thing that's always missing out of uh, out yeah, of Brooklyn has know, predictions to teams. It's it's champions just have depth. Brooklyn, Chicago, Miami, those teams all have the depth. Like yeah. out of those East Eastern teams, they have the depth. But you know, it's like you look at these teams and and Philadelphia and Brooklyn really have a lot of guys that you think are pretty selfish, one of, one of one sort of thinking guys. Then you go to Milwaukee and you have the humblest MVP of all time. <laughs> you have you go to Chicago and you have like. A bunch of guys who literally have everything to prove and don't to the world but not to each other who yeah. all think hey we're here to win you know yeah and uh, and they even they've really made billy donovan look good i i didn't believe in billy donovan but it's, he, it's florida billy donovan yeah it is yeah. And they actually feel almost like a college team they don't feel a little bit like watching them they don't feel like i'm yeah. watching an nba team of like dudes who are into it you know you see demar yeah, they're, shooting they're little, free throws after the game yeah. because he's going to keep working and he's the most like he's the most veteran like 
like yeah. guy with you would think with an ego of any sort, and he's kind of an anti-ego superstar, anyways. Yeah, you know, yeah, like for sure. San Antonio and yeah. Toronto, like this is the biggest city he's ever been involved yeah, you, in. You know, I, I wonder what what his career would have looked like if he uh, if he didn't have LeBron James humbling him for you know half a decade though. Yeah, in Toronto, because you know De- Demar was always top top or top ten in uh in the East for a while. But you're right, they are kind of a, a college field. They they're a little bit against the grain. I think we saw that last year with Milwaukee and and their emphasizing of you know hey we're gonna shoot too. It's like. If it's a layup, yeah. it's a layup. If it's if yeah. it's a mid range shot and you're open, that's a layup to some of these guys. Like yeah. Zach Levine and Demar Derozan, you leave them open from 15 feet, and that's the same as getting to the bucket. And, oh yeah, I mean Demar is the best the best shooter in yep. fourth quarter in the NBA. Like, yep, and, and that's kind of what they're doing. They're, they're saying open shots and open shot. It doesn't matter where it's at on the floor. You know, forget the analytics. Like we're just playing basketball and, and hooping, and and I think that um, catches teams off guard when they when they're planning you know, for the way that the league is overall and, and how it's shifted um, over the last couple of years, you know, the, um, the hammer pick and, and the way that the Spurs developed that and how that's kind of gone over to the rest of the teams over the last, you know, half decade from uh, Greg Popovich, you know, out. Um, that has developed in the league um, for a certain mindset. And so when you get teams that go against the grain, Miami's another example. Uh, Golden State's always been flexible in, in however they need to play, so that's why they've they've won and, and been so successful. And that's why I think that Chicago has an advantage there. Is they're just they're just going out and hooping, and they can do it any way. The only thing I wish is I wish that they had uh, they had somehow snagged Derrick Rose back. Yeah, I mean I'd like to see Derrick Rose come off the bench in Chicago. Yeah, but yeah, I, th- I think we all would. I think everybody would. But I think we all would. You know, maybe if uh, maybe if the Knicks don't make the playoffs, which they're not right now, maybe maybe Rose becomes available and Tibbs gets fired and just like restart. You know, man, man, who who's uh, more disappointed this year to you, the uh, the Hawks or the Knicks? Um, I actually I I have to go with the Pacers as the most disappointing team in the East. Because uh, the Knicks, I always expect to lose, and yeah. I I am upset that Randall's played so bad. I I think that the numbers show that he was better when the arena was empty, which which maybe like says something about his personality and I don't think that thing should be a negative thing but it's hard in the NBA. He's, he know? seems like one of those uh he's got to prove it type of guys and then when the spotlight's on him when when like you know he's got the recognition yeah. he's not playing. He was him. fine with being on TV but the crowd or something bothers him and he's been like caught up with conversations with the crowd yelling at people and being yeah. you know and like the numbers showed that during covid when this when the arena was empty he was a better player. Yeah. And so it's kind of like well what if this guy was just great like my dad used to tell me about this golfer who had some sort of anxiety mm-hmm. and that if you just had a camera on this guy and he was golfing by himself, he was clearly better than everybody in the world. Like he could just literally put golf balls anywhere, Yeah. but like he couldn't make it on the tour because as soon as there was a crowd of people, he just folded. It's just like his anxiety just got the best of him. Yeah. And like the guy ended up like being a dude who trained like all these golfers. I don't tell, don't expect me to know these people's <laughs> names because Golf's like a game, yeah. and and I like to talk sports. That guy's okay? name Tiger Woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy's name was Tiger Woods. The uh, golf's a game, and I like to talk about sports. So I don't always remember things about a game. I remember things about sports. But you know, uh, maybe Randall is like that. Like maybe he really is like a baller. Like you put him in a gym, closed gym, and he's like killer. And then as soon as there's a crowd of people, he's like, "Heck, I can only shoot twenty percent from three now." And I'm like, half yeah. the guy I was. Yeah, I mean, we we were all pretty quick to. Uh... You know, the expectations for Julius Randle the first two years in L.A., we, we kind of brought that back last year. And then New York, and maybe it was just, uh, you know, obviously. It was I still just regret Randle not being in L.A. Much. Oh, yeah. Like, sure. like, the teams of, like, what could have been teams, the Nets, the Lakers, and, and the Kings all have the best this, what could have been teams. This is why teams you know, that build 
through trades primarily <clears throat> are, in my opinion, the the worst, at least not the most fun teams to watch. Now, Miami, you know, on the complete opposite, I think I saw a stat. I don't know if I sent it to you and Zach the other day, but like total draft pick order, Miami's dead last in, in terms of overall draft pick. But look at how relevant they've been even after LeBron James and oh, breaking yeah. up in 2014. But they can always find talent. Relevant. They exactly. can find talent anywhere. You exactly. Know? And like when you look at when you look at the situation, like Brooklyn, Brooklyn really bothers me because I actually liked Brooklyn before all the circus. I mean, came it's in. the curse of Kenny Atkinson. And yeah, and 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 when you look at Brooklyn, okay, what have they needed? What did they need last year? Well, they needed a real center, right? DeAndre Jordan wasn't a real center. We all knew that. They gave up Jarrett Allen. Right. They like, gave up Jarrett Allen, who's now an All Star, and literally like in his, maybe the best defensive center, like Rudy Gobert and Jarrett Allen. Are the two best defensive centers in the and NBA? And it's probably right? the easiest center to play with in terms yep. of no humility, ego, no ego you know, guy. Can, he can score. Can do what you need to do. Yeah. yeah. So they give up Jared Allen. They've needed a center the whole time. Mm-hmm. Durant literally could have played three or four minutes less a game if he had a center, right? Mm-hmm. So they they gave up Jared Allen. They gave up Spencer Dinwiddie. They let Karis LeVert go, right? Also, they could have Harden, right? And and Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge, right? And those guys are all like Harden was trash. They got rid of him. Griffin barely plays. Aldridge is on a minutes restriction, and Lucky's playing it all, and is pretty old. Yeah, you know, like if they had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, and Jared Allen, and then still had and Joe, Joe Harris, Harris yeah. like that team is Nick Claxton. Yeah, that yeah. team is just unstoppable. So like for me with Brooklyn, yeah. I just like I'm like man, y'all I know, literally some, let some these front guys offices go. Like, do too much, and then you see like Memphis. But you know it was Kyrie and Kevin's fault. That's that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing that burns me about it. It's like they came in and said, no, we want the guys we want, and it was like, no, you're Kevin Durant. You just need the best guys to fit around you. It doesn't matter who they are. Yeah. It doesn't. You don't need DeAndre Jordan just because he's your buddy. Because DeAndre Jordan sucks now. You don't want him on your team. Man, old boy got cut. He got cut and replaced with DJ Augustine, like a different DJ. <laughs> and he's not even a good one. One time I watched a video of that guy traveling, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, he got replaced by DJ Augustine. Like, like he's DJ, and he got replaced by a better DJ because DeAndre Jordan sucks, you know? Like, it, it's literally one of those things. Like, the Nets couldn't have made a worse decision. And it's like, you know, Kyrie and Kevin, Steve Nash got in a room, and they were like, yeah, we got to get rid of these guys because we got to bring in yeah. our buddies. Yeah. And, like, that's the situation where you don't bring in your buddies. Like, like if we go in as the Barista Boys and we end up going to, like, a great coffee shop, like, I don't know, Barista Parlor. Yeah. I love Barista Parlor. I'm wearing their hat right now. Yeah. I'm not getting rid of everybody except for James Maroon. Uh, <laughs> and if, he's not going to hear this, but I'm not getting rid of those people just to bring our guys in. Yeah. Some of our guys are not going to work there because they're not as good as the baristas that are there already. Yeah. And I think that's the situation. It's like, you don't just buy a company and then replace all of its employees. Yeah. You want to buy a company and keep the employees. And as a guy who was in a company that was bought and then was pushed out the door, let me tell you, you should have kept me. You know? And Karis <laughs> yeah. Levert. My God, dude, dude Karis like, Levert. Is, is, there, is there anybody more valuable in the in the league? And, and this is something I want to touch on. Maybe we can hit on a future topic. Um, but, you know, role players, you know, the, are, is there anybody that, is more valuable than a great role player to play in that, you know, six to nine slot in the rotation. You know, guys like Bobby Portis, that, that's probably, you know, one of my favorite role players in the league. Guys like uh, Joe Harris coming off the bench who is honestly like, you know, he was the, the same type of player as we see in Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero but coming off the bench, you know, doing his doing his role, one of the best three-point shooters in, in the league when he was when he was hot. 
And those are the types of guys that you want to surround, you know, your star player like Kevin Durant. You know, that's that's why I always uh, critique LeBron James's teams. And as great as LeBron James is, you know, the, the best teams that he had were in Miami when he had such a great depth and role players. You know, you know guys like Mario Chalmers and uh, Shane Battier, like all those guys oh, coming yeah. around. Like, that's yeah. those are the guys that are invaluable to championship teams. Well, they didn't get rid of a lot of guys to, to make LeBron work there. Yeah. LeBron was like, these. they already have the exactly. guys I want. And now we just exactly. need to add a couple guys, exactly. you know. And like even when he came back, coming to, to yeah. Chicago. When he came back to Cleveland, it was like it was like, all right, I think Kyrie's good. Yeah. And Cleveland has some guys I want, and we have the draft pick to get Kevin Love, yep. and I want Kevin Love. Yeah. And so they'd use their pick. They got Kevin Love. Wiggins still turned into an All Star eventually somehow, mm-hmm. and everybody was happy. Well, Minnesota probably wasn't happy, <laughs> but happy Min- enough. Yeah, Minnesota's, uh, you know, Minnesota and the Kings won two of the worst front. It snows so much there that no one's really happy, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, the, uh, that's that's just life. Yeah. I want to talk about the Pacers for a minute because that's my biggest disappointment in the East. Uh, I actually, so I went and saw the Bulls and Pacers this last month. And uh, it was right before the trade deadline, uh-huh. and Karis LeVert scored just, forty just like two it. points, uh, and he had twenty five in the first half. Like I literally was like, "Dude, this guy!" It's, it was Karis LeVert versus the Bulls. Yeah. And then you know the next day I go out to a restaurant, and and a guy there was like, "Oh, were you at the game?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Yeah, I was at the game." I was like, "Dude, Karis LeVert can hoop." He's like, "Yeah, I don't really like him though." And I was like, "What do you mean you don't like him? Like he's amazing, and he's yeah. like he's a little flashy." And I'm like. He's not flashy. He's Karis LeVert. Like, yeah. like, like James Harden is flashy. You know, like, like flashy. Yeah, Steph Curry's dude, flashy. The same people still bitter about Victor Oladipo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Karis LeVert was too flashy for Indianapolis. Yeah. So you have that first off, and he goes, he goes, yeah. I hope they trade him. And I go, that's crazy. You just scored forty points last night against the Bulls. It, it, he was the only reason it was even a close game. Like yeah. it, it was a one point game in the last minute. And he goes, yeah. I just want, I just want to see Sabonis thrive. And I go. Dude, they're gonna trade Sabonis for sure. I was like, they ain't trading Miles Turner. He goes, no, they're not gonna trade Sabonis. And lo and behold, they got rid of Karis Levert and Sabonis. And I was like, man, Indiana, you really, you really, you really can't do it. You just can't do it. You can't win. And I, I thought Indiana, like to me, Indiana's like a lock in for the playoffs forever. Yeah. And Indiana has had such a weird like last twelve years. You know, really like. From the from the rise of, of Paul George and everybody saying oh he's the next LeBron you know similar style going head to head with LeBron um, you know throughout the East for years and the injury obviously and and uh, that Roy Hibbert team that they had that was you know really good until Roy Hibbert got played out of the league essentially just how it shifted. Well, he went over. to LA later. He was <laughs> yeah, that's that's where our legends go to die is LA is uh, you know that's that's what's gonna happen to uh, AD. He went down. The, he went down the train of AD and Will Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, but like you know, you look at Indiana from a historical perspective over the last twelve years, and they've been such a weird team where there's like bursts that you want to root for them. You're energized by them, like you said with Carousel Vert the other night as a as a recent example, and. Um, they they just you know either external or internal circumstances and a lot of times it is internal in, in terms of the way that they construct the team and and trade players and it's just a, a weird disappointing team that should have competed more than they did. But did they did they win the trade? Do you think this is a bonus for Halliburton trade? Did Indiana win that trade? I mean, Halliburton is in my opinion one of the best young guys to start a team around because he's so easy to plug in with. Other guys, and he, his and he, numbers in Indiana are insane, like and he's, he's balling out. In he's the, the type of guy that will attract stars. Now, 
Starks wanted to come to Indianapolis. Can you believe the Spurs the didn't but... didn't draft Halliburton? I know. Or I said it that night. I was like, they literally drafted. Uh, was it Devin? Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He plays for him right now. They they drafted this other guy, and Halliburton was like clearly a spur. Like he yeah. clearly had the kind of style that fits it in in San Antonio. Pop has lost his yeah. touch. I mean, if if you're gonna make the make the trade, you know, giving away Sabonis, like Halliburton is one of the best case scenarios. And yeah, he's, he's got years he's ahead of him. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's so young, he's so he's so talented and he's so like humble. His game works with so many different styles. Like he's he's definitely one of those uh, one of those guys that you Now they just style. need to turn Buddy Heald into Demarcus Cousins somehow. I've heard <laughs> I've heard that's a good trade. <laughs> I've heard that you can trade those guys for each other. Yeah, sure. Um I I definitely think Indiana will be great. Like I think that they will ball out. And uh, and that they will build a good team around Albert, and I think that Miles Turner is a great player. Yeah, um, I was surprised that, you know, that he uh, he didn't. He, he didn't he's the one out. that survived. They literally don't even play the guy. Like yeah, like they barely would give him minutes, it, and then they traded the guys they played, and then kept the guy who they don't play. It's so bizarre. They've been talking about, or at least the the media has been talking about trading Miles Turner for you know three or four years now, and it's it's just like, and and he's such a desirable piece for other teams, or at least perceived as a designer. Oh man, I, I wanted you know, him you, on my team. You plugged yeah. him on, on the Celtics. I really wanted him in Charlotte. I thought that would have been a great yeah, fit. He'd be and he'd be um, a great Laker. But he'd fix a huge problem that happened there. <laughs> Fair Lakers need a lot more than Miles Turner. Yeah, have you I saw this meme that they like put a um a meme yeah they put a, a band-aid on on a crack in the concrete <laughs> and that's what Miles Turner would have been. He would have been a band-aid on the crack in the concrete. Yeah. Um, but you know we're not talking about the West. But LeBron did say today that you have to cut off his head and bury his body for them not to be a contender. Uh, so sure, you know I guess sure. still king. You know still hey, king. Worst, worst move LeBron has ever done is uh, left Miami. <laughs> yeah, he would have had a stack of championships. He stayed. He, I mean, he probably would have had at least two more if he'd stayed in Miami. Well, so, hopefully he just goes to I Dallas. Hope that, I hope that little Mickey Mouse ring is uh, is nice. Yeah, I also want to shout out. Uh, there was a guy. Um, there's a guy I met in Chattanooga. He was a barber. He's the first person I've ever met who was a Dallas Mavericks fan in real life. Dang, uh, like, I've never heard of. Like him. I said, I've, I said, I've who's your team? Fans, but yeah, but I asked him. I said, well, who's your team? He said, well, I used to be a big fan of Charles Barkley. Any team he played on, and I thought, well, there's a guy that doesn't win. And then he said, uh, he said, but now he goes, I'm, I'm a. These days, I'm kind of a fan of the Dallas Mavericks. That's my number one. And I was like, the Dallas Mavericks? Like, legitimately, you're the only person I've ever met whose favorite team is, is the Dallas Mavericks. Is he still Mavericks. waiting for Y2K? Is, is he like, man, this Steve nash Dirk combo is going to be it. I mean, and I, I was, I'm kind of like, like, I love watching the Mavericks. Yeah. If they're on TV, Lucas balling they're, out. They're a good franchise. They, yeah. you know, they're always relevant. They're and great. Some, I love Mark Cuban. And, and, you know, like, I get it. But my favorite team, I mean, they might be one of those five teams I like to watch, but yeah. my favorite team? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a great league pass team. You're right. You're right. Yeah, he should, he should have said Memphis. I, I respected that. I mean, you're in Chattanooga and you're rooting for the right team. But Dallas? I don't know. No, I, I know we're uh, cutting it on time, but, you know, just shout out John Miranda's. You know, I know we're not talking about the West, but Memphis to me is basically the East. And if they expand, Mem- yeah, Memphis if they should expand be Seattle and, and Vegas, you know, they probably move Memphis and maybe New Orleans over to the East. Memphis but. should be in the East, but I do feel like people people in Memphis and New Orleans should have a right to say if they're an Eastern or Western city. Yeah. And if you're in those cities and you want to contact us and tell us, well, I'm down to let the league know. Here's, here's how what you I'm see thinking. It. The Mississippi River, it, Memphis is just east of it. That's right. 
New Orleans is just west. That's right. So, so New Orleans is a team in the west. Memphis is a team in the east. Period. <laughs> but but who comes over, who comes over to the east besides Memphis? You know, it's either the Timberwolves or, or New Minnesota. Orleans. Minnesota. Uh, but honestly, nothing feels western about Minnesota. Yeah. Like yeah. if you go to Minnesota, and you go, oh, I'm in the west. Like literally, everybody would go. No, in, you're in stupid. Minneapolis is is a real eastern city. It's it's like Milwaukee. Yeah. It's like St. Louis. It's like you know Chicago light. You know. Yeah. It's a real East. There's definitely no cowboys in Minneapolis, and that's how you know it's not the West. Like, you ain't going to ride in there on a horse and spurs and then not be like, hey, what are you doing? You know, so that's not the West. Yeah. Um, as, a, as a side note, my uh, my kids, I have, you know, I have two kids, and one's 16 and one's 14, and the other day they said, where's, where's Milwaukee? And I said, it's in Wisconsin, and, you know, we live in Illinois, so that shouldn't be a hard thing, and they went, yeah. No. Like, how would it be in Wisconsin? It's not Wisconsin. And then they looked it up on a map and were like, how is it right there? And I said, it's, it's always been there. It's right there. It's just yeah, Chicago. It's, it's close. It's really close. And they just, they still like, they don't think it makes sense. And um, I don't know like how geography goes these days, but it's not good. Like they're not getting, uh, they're not getting a good geography yeah. like, like lessons. Buy them a school. couple maps. Yeah. Well, we have a map. We actually have an atlas in the car. Uh, yeah. We even have an old school atlas yeah. so that the kids could learn they things. Study it. Yeah, they're gonna have to actually look at it because yeah. they didn't know where Milwaukee is, and it's within driving distance, like easy drive. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, kids these days. That's why. That's why uh, Dwight Howard's not on the seventy-five <laughs> list because the kids don't know. You think, you think uh, they're trying to try and move Milwaukee to the west? <laughs> the kid, I don't know where they thought it was. I mean, I, I honestly, Montana. I think they thought it was maybe yeah, like a western city like, as a name that just doesn't. Yeah doesn't exist here but i mean yeah i mean just, it is like an indigenous name so i mean there's I also there's also people there's people in illinois who go north for vacations and then there's all the smart hey, people no and then, here's, here's the thing though here's the thing about about going north for vacation you know i'm not a, i'm not a big fan of wisconsin it's it's um, not my favorite state but you go to michigan and there's there's few things better than summer in michigan yeah, Especially, summer. You know, you go, you go up in the lake. You go up to the UP. Summer, yeah. Summer Michigan's un, un, uh, unmatched. And if you like winter sports that aren't necessarily the skiing, kids know where Detroit is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> north. North in the summer is a different thing. I'm talking about like middle of winter. It's like, hey, let's go to Wisconsin. Oh, we can yeah. ski. I'm like, it's cold. Yeah. Like you got one chance to go get warm, or yeah. at least go somewhere different, somewhere with the big mountain. I don't go up to a little mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's light skiing. That's not that's not. Yeah. If there ain't a volcano, it ain't a mountain. <laughs> is that a rule? Hawaii's the only mountainous state. There's other volcanoes I mean, I besides Hawaii. Yeah, See, okay, you so went to LCU Washington. geography. You're like, you're like, ah, nothing's okay. A we volcano. can count Washington, Oregon, some California, you know, Yellowstone. I I get it, but not as prominent. Not as active. I'm gonna give one other shout out. Shout out to Vivid Seats. Ooh, okay. That's okay. a that the we sponsored. App, no, we're not sponsored, Bond, but I had plans to really trash <laughs> them on this episode because Ooh. I got some scam tickets when I went to Phoenix and I went to see the Suns and it was very stressful because my tickets were not valid. Ooh. I bought them on the Vivid Seats app and they advertised it during all the NBA games I watched. So I was like, hey, that's not all right. Yeah. But I did end up like watching most of the game. I just had to move around a lot. Every time somebody needed to sit in their seat, then I moved to a different seat. They let you in the. They accidentally let me in the game because this guy thought that his scanner was broke because it was on the Vivid app. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh well, maybe mine's not scanning right." So yeah, this is a real ticket if it's in this app. So they said Vivid was legit and they let me in. But he was like just he was just a kid. Yeah. 
And so when I got in, I was afraid they were going to kick me out. If they found out that when I went to my seat, there was a lady sitting in it who had a pretty legitimate ticket. Yeah. Probably the lady that sold me a scam ticket on the back <laughs> because she got there early enough to be was, there and I was there early. Yeah. So, you know, I went through a pretty stressful night and my only real night out in Phoenix. And I was like, man, so excited to see the Suns. And yeah. I really only got to watch the second half and really enjoy it. And I, it was in a worse seat. But I contacted Vivid and they refunded it and gave okay. me a credit to buy tickets Dang. in the future. So I was like, you know what? They deserve a shout out. Vivid yeah. Seats did me right. <clears throat> now, if I buy tickets again and they ain't legit, <laughs> I'm coming right back on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to be like, man, I went to a game again and the tickets weren't legit. And I'm yeah. going to just be super sad. So Yeah, you know, you know, shout out to that. You know, things things happen and, and mistakes get made. But but when it's uh, corrected, that's that's what's up. Yep, that's what's up. Um, so I think uh, I think that's a wrap. Our, our next episode... Um, you know, I heard that recently the State of the Union happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big, big address. Like the kind that you don't want to put on an envelope because it's just too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Couple of stamps. It's going to be numerous stamps yeah. and a lot of writing. Yeah. And probably get sent back because my, my writing is bad. <laughs> yeah. So they can never read it. But yeah, for sure. should have been a doctor. For sure. Um, but, you know, I think I think our next episode, um, we could do State of the Business. The Ooh. State of the Business address. Okay. Um, we can talk a little update, talk let people them, know. Where we are, what we're yep. doing, and, and what we're about. And uh, hopefully our update is more productive than, than the government's updates. Um, I think the government's updates are it's very It's about dating. the same thing, yeah. Yeah, very behind, very yeah. behind. So Yeah, yeah we've, um, had a, we've had a, you know, a lot, lot in the last year, year and a half, business-wise, in, in terms yeah. of decisions to be made yeah. and, and, uh, and things that happen. So I yeah, I just, I just worked on a really fun job that yeah. I, I want to talk yeah, about on the podcast. So, talk about. Um, yeah, state of the business. State of the business. Ooh. That'll be our next okay. next episode. So uh, subscribe, stick around. We're back. Um, we're, we're happy to be back. And uh, business and basketballs. Business and basketballs. We in. Am I Baller is produced by Mika Club and is part of the Breasty Boys Coffees, Coffees, and More Coffee system. Its hosts are myself, Luke Welchel, or Chicago Luke, as I'm often called. And Eastside Dizza, the salesman himself, Dalton Zoll. If there's a business and a ball, then we're probably there. Thanks for listening.